Hey, this is Shane Valenstein, the pastor at City on a Hill Community Church. I want to welcome you to our sermon podcast. I hope that this podcast helps you grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you want to learn more about our church, you can visit us at cityonahillmd.org. Enjoy the message. Well, we're in the middle of our uh, series called Careful, and uh, this is the second week of our series, and all month long, we're talking about relationships, how to handle them, how to have healthy relationships, how to keep God at the center of it all. So we know that um, tomorrow, well, if you didn't know this, tomorrow's Valentine's Day. Hopefully, hopefully you know that. Um, maybe you're like, oh, yeah, I'm really excited. We're going to go out to dinner um, with my significant other. Or maybe you're like, I hate Valentine's Day. I don't know where you fall. Um, it does, I don't really care either way. <laughs> but this series is, uh, is focused on relationships. And while this entire series is not just focused on marriage or romantic relationships, but all relationships, we're talking about family, we're talking about friendships, we're talking about um, uh, the single life, all of those sort of things. Today, we are going to specifically focus on marriage um, and specifically focus on relationships and how to have a healthy marriage. So if you're here today and you're not in that place, right, you're not in any sort of a romantic type of relationship or maybe you're younger and you're like, I don't know, that's not even on my radar yet, all of those sort of things. Please don't tune me out. I know that it's easy to do. Um, this is an important message regardless of whether you are in that situation now or you are, would hope to be one day down the road. Or maybe you're like, you know what, I don't know if I even ever want to get married or if I ever want to have that sort of a relationship, which is totally fine too. This is still beneficial stuff for how we can treat one another and how we can love one another. So um, if you're in that boat, I, I know I remember before like when I was younger, I don't know, my late teens, early early 20s and um, I got married when I was 25, I think, 24, 25. Um, so I, I lose track of it. Anyways, um, so but before that, I remember being like, anytime there was a marriage series at church, it's like, oh, great. Pastor's going to talk about what it's like to, to be married. Um, but uh, don't worry. It's still important stuff. And next week, next Sunday, um, we're going to talk about the importance of how to live a healthy life as a single person. No romantic relationships at all. Um, and I talked about this a little bit last week, but a lot of times the church makes people who are not in a relationship feel like they're not complete yet because they haven't reached that state as if like, oh, once you're married, then you're complete, which is total baloney. Um, it's, not, it's not true at all. But actually, there are plenty of people who could go through their entire lives and never be married and be entirely complete in all that they do. Uh, marriage is not required for life, and we should stop acting like it, right? So... We'll talk about, about that a little bit more next week. But today we're going to specifically focus on uh, the married life or romantic relationships. And oftentimes we talk about how difficult relationships are. And I feel like we do this with life, right? At church we're always like, oh man, life is so hard. Oh man, relationships are so hard. Oh, this is so difficult. And, and while all of that is absolutely true, it doesn't mean that there are times where it's not hard doesn't mean that there aren't times where, where things are easy, right? Like, I think that we, we build up so often how difficult everything is, and we don't often talk about how great things are as well. <laughs> I think that that's a healthy thing to do. And so while marriage can be tough, while marriage can be difficult, while relationships can be difficult, they can also be fun. And they should also be fun. And uh, maybe you're in one of those relationships right now, and you're like, it's not fun. Well, we want to try to find a way to get you to where it is more enjoyable. Uh, life should be enjoyable, right? 
So I, I hope that we don't steer you in the wrong direction by, by always saying, oh, things are so hard, the sky is falling, life is difficult, all these sort of things. It's not entirely true. Life can be good, life, life can be fun. But we have to have the proper foundation to work from with our relationships. And so last week we talked about the need to have Jesus at the center of every relationship, dating or not, romantic or, or not. And without Jesus in the middle of it all, then we won't have the best relationships that we could have. We want to set ourselves up for success, not failure. And if we want to set ourselves up for success, then we have to keep Jesus at the center of everything. So everything else that we talk about this series, but not just this series, everything else that we talk about in this church is based on Jesus at the center. That's where we start with every, every problem, every situation across the board, okay? Jesus has to, has to be at the center of it all. So with that in mind, let's talk specifically about, about marriage, okay? Marriage is what brings us together today. Just kidding. All the young kids are like, what is that? That's a little Princess Bride joke for you, okay? But marriage is so very important. If, if you don't already know this, people have differing views on marriage and differing views on the roles that each person has in a marriage. And this is not entirely agreed upon in our world, okay? This is not just like, it's not like we all come together and we say, okay, this is what marriage looks like. It's, it's not. We know that. We know that it is entirely different across the board for many different people. And that's okay. That's okay. But marriage has been used as an excuse to treat other people in a relationship poorly by a lot of people. You know what I'm talking about. Maybe, maybe you've experienced an unhealthy relationship. Maybe you've seen other people experience an unhealthy relationship. And a lot of times we think, well, if I'm in this relationship with this person, then I can treat them this way. And we treat, sometimes we give our significant other the worst of us rather than the best. But I get it. I, I get it because you're around each other all the time. You're sick of each other. I get it. Right? It can, it's like, okay, this person's going to see all my warts. This person's going to see all the terrible things about me. I'm, they, they, instead of getting my best, they're often going to get my worst. And that's just natural with, with a marriage specifically, right? But, but oftentimes, when we talk about treating the other person in a relationship poorly, oftentimes this actually happens in the church, and we even use scripture to back it up, which is terrible terrible thing. The church, I'm not talking about City on the Hill specifically, but the church in general, Christian people in general, can take specific verses out of the Bible, can take scripture out of the text, and take it says this, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. 
In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Now, this is 2022. And a lot of times, we'll read this and be like, no, nope, 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 nope. This doesn't work in our world today. This is outdated. This is totally, it's, nope, this doesn't work. Okay? And I would agree with you in the way that a lot of Christians present this passage. In the way that a lot of, I'm not, there's no specific church I have in mind, but um, a, lot of, a lot of churches would take this passage and, uh, and make it so um, it is a relationship that is not of equal footing. Which is not at all what this passage is saying. Not at all. And if your Bible is, is like mine, then it kind of breaks up different sections for you and gives you like little, little headers and little titles above each, each section. I don't know if, if your Bible is like that, but diff- different paragraphs and, and different headers of what is in that paragraph along the way. My Bible puts a header between verse 21 and 22, which I'm not exactly sure why it does that, okay? Because we started at verse 21. But there, so verse 21 is submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then there's a little gap, and then, it's, and then the title is Wives and Husbands after verse 21. And then it goes on to say, wives, submit to your husbands, everything that we just read. And if your Bible's like that, then it's easy, it's easy to start after the header. It's easy to start in a section that's already broken up for me by whoever put this Bible together. That, that, that's not how it was exactly written. Uh, in, in w- when, when Paul wrote this letter, it's not like he put a paragraph and said, now let's title this Wives and Husbands. That's, that's just, that was added in there by the company that, that made these Bibles. And they're, they're oftentimes helpful, right? I get it. Like, I understand they're trying to make it easier for us to read. But there is this little gap, and I think that the header should have been before verse 21, not after verse 21. Because verse 21 says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is key. Verse, verse 21 is the key to a healthy marriage, to a healthy relationship. We have to submit to each other. This is everything. It's everything. See, some people like to conveniently start at verse 22, which says, wives, Submit to your husband as to the Lord, as if the woman is the only one who should be submitting. That's what, that's what a lot of us like to do. Well, it's broken up here, so I'm just going to start at verse 22. Wives, you need to submit to your husbands. It's not, it, that's not exactly what Scripture says. That's what I mean, where we can pull something out of context, leave something else out, leave, leave the verse prior out, which has an impact on the following verses. And I... Honestly, this argument can be made for everything that we do, and we can't, we can't read the whole Bible in the morning, right? So, so we, have to, we have to cut it off somewhere. We have to start somewhere. But it, it is part of my responsibility as your pastor to make sure that I do my due diligence and I preach the word as it says in the context that it was intended for, not for what I want it to say. 
Not that I wanted to say that only wives are the ones who are supposed to submit, but you know what I'm saying, right? You, you understand. The key to any marriage is to submit to one another. There should be mutual submission in your home. One person should not be submitting more than the other person. For those of you who are married, or for those of you who are in a dating relationship, I want you to think about your, your relationship now. And I want you to honestly think to yourself, do I submit more than the other person? Do I submit less than the other person? Or is there a give and take? Is there a mutual submission that's going on? Or is, is, is the other person, am I making the other person give in all the time? And am I never willing to give in? Only you can answer. I don't know what's going on in your, in your relationship. But there should be mutual submission. A marriage is not built on uneven ground. Rather, it's built on level ground. Each person has just as much authority in the marriage as the other person. Each person. And pe people don't like submitting to one another. I, I, don't, I don't like submitting to other people. It's one of the toughest things for us to do in our life. You know that. We hate it. It's like, ugh, I don't like to submit. I feel like I know what I want to do, and that's the way that I'm going to go. We've been trained our entire lives by this world to put me first all the time. We've been trained in that way. The world says, if you don't put you first, then you're going to fall behind. If you don't put you first, then everybody else is just going to jump over. It's not true. The Bible says right here, submit to one another. And no wonder that marriages are falling apart at a rapid rate. No, no wonder people aren't happy. No wonder people aren't willing to actually be committed to their commitments that they made. No wonder it's because we're not willing to submit. We're not willing to lay some things down on the table and say, you know what? Yeah, sure, I may want this, but I care more about you. I care more about our relationship. I care more about our marriage than I do about me getting what I want. That's what I care more about. It's so important that we understand where our priorities lie, as we talked about last week. Remember, God first, your spouse second, your kids third, in that order, everybody else. And everything else. And that doesn't mean that you can't have hobbies. That doesn't mean that you can't have things that, that, that you like. It's not what it means at all. But it does mean that none of it comes before your relationship with God and your relationship with your spouse. None of it. Can't. I, I've shared this story before, but um, Lauren and I, our first year in marriage, the, the only thing that we ever fought about, the only thing, was football. They say first year of marriage is the toughest, right? Um, I, don't, I don't think that that was necessarily the case for us, but the, the number one thing, I and mean, we fought about other minor things, but like the only things that were like actual blow-ups was football. Because I love me some football. Super Bowls today. Hopefully the Rams win. That's my opinion. But anyways, um, but I love me some football. And before I got married, what I would do after church is I would sit on the couch and I would watch football from 1 o'clock at night all the way till I went to bed because I love it. And it's, it's, it, if I'm being honest with you, if I'm being vulnerable with you, it is my number one thing in my life that I have to protect myself from because I could let it entirely consume me. Sports in general. I just love sports. But I would, I could 
watch sports all day, every day, and be happy. No problem. But it's not healthy. It's not healthy for me. Just like anything in excess is not healthy. And so our first year of marriage, we, the Sunday, we got married in May. Football starts in September. I like the NFL. I don't really care about college football. So I was watching after the uh, 1 o'clock game, Ravens play. I'm like, all right, I'm watching this Ravens game. Great. And then that ended, and we lived in a one-bedroom apartment at the time. And then, uh, and then the next game started, and I, was, I didn't move because that's what I do. That's what I do on Sundays. And uh, she was like, oh, you're going to watch more? And I was like, yeah. And then that game ended, and then the Sunday night game started. And I was like, hey, my buddy Topper's coming over. We're going to watch the Sunday night game. She's like, what? Sunday night game? She's like, yeah, that's what I do. Sundays. And then that game ended, and then Monday rolled around. And uh, it, it used to be, I don't know if it still is, Monday night used to have two games the first week of the season. Right, Tim? And, um, and so the first game started, and, uh, and I knew that, that I was already kind of in the doghouse from the day before because I just watched football all day. So I was like, I guess I can't watch football. So I'm moping. I'm like moping around because I can't watch more football. And, uh, and obviously, Lauren could tell. She's like, he doesn't even, he doesn't want to hang out with me right now. He just wants to watch football. And so friends of mine were watching the games at somebody else's house, and, uh, and she knew that. And so eventually she was like, I mean, if you want to go, you can go. Boom, out the door. I was gone. Quick. I was gone. Two games that night. Came home. She was not very happy with me. Right? And then it had to get to a point to me. For, see, I'm, I'm, and I was a pastor at the time, okay? It's not, like, it's not like this is before I found Jesus, okay? I was a pastor at the time. I would, like, preach in the morning. And then I'd go home and just ignore my wife and watch football all day. And, uh, and so I, I, I had to come to the realization, like, man, is this really what I, what's most important to me? Is this, is this really what I want to invest all of myself into? I, to me, I was like, if I don't watch this, then I'm going to be sad. As if football is what brings me joy in my life. I'll have you know, I don't do that anymore. I've matured. <laughs> but we have to submit to one another, okay? It is so important that we are willing to not put anything or anyone in front of our spouse and in front of our relationship with God. But let's look, let's look deeper into this passage as Paul talks specifically about wives and husbands, okay? So again, this is, this is scripture, so don't get mad at me, okay? I, I'm, don't, don't get upset with me. I'm just preaching the word of God. That's all I'm doing, okay? So here's what it says for wives. Submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. And now this is where it gets kind of tricky for a lot of people. Kind of, kind of gets a little uncomfortable. What exactly does Paul mean? If you, husbands, if you want to get into a fight with your wives, go home and just say, you got to listen to everything that I said. It, Paul says so in Ephesians. I'm the head of the household. I, I say it to my wife all the time, jokingly, jokingly. I say, I'm the spiritual head of this household. You will do what I say. And that's not, that's not how it's supposed to be, right? But the sad part is, that is how a lot of relationships are based off of this scripture, based off of this passage. Many think that it means that the wife must simply obey 
everything that the husband says, in all things. And what's interesting is that Paul doesn't use the word obey. He uses the word submit, which he also used in verse 21, which I said we like to conveniently leave out. So we're both supposed to submit to one another. And then Paul, Paul talks a little bit more. He says, wives, submit to your husbands. But remember, the husbands are also submitting to the wives. This is not one-sided. And, and we like to take that word submit out and replace it with obey. It's not accurate because later, later, Paul actually talks about how children should obey, should obey their parents. Actually, the, the verse right after everything that we just read earlier, Ephesians 6 verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. See, you are not the parent of your spouse. Did you catch that? You're not the parent of your spouse. You're married to your spouse. You're the parent of your children, but you're not the parent of your spouse. So stop treating your spouse as if they're a child. They're not. And you may say, well, they deserve it. They act like, don't act like a child. I won't treat you like a child. Don't act like my mom. Don't act like my dad. Right? Well, they just need to grow up. No, no see, it's, this, is, this is not a, well, if you do this, then I do this. That, and that's how, that's how we treat our kids, right? And that, that makes sense because our, our children should obey what the parents say because the parents know more than the kids and they're protecting the kids. So if a parent says to a child, hey, you can't do this. You can't, you can't, you can't go running outside if I'm not watching you. I'm thinking for little kids. I know if you've got teenagers, it's a little different, right? You can't play in the front yard if I'm not watching. Well, why? Because I said so. Because I'm protecting you. Because I care about you. Because I know more than you. And when we talk to our spouse in that way, we're treating them like kids. We're putting them down. We're acting like, I know more than you. It's not a healthy relationship. It's not a healthy marriage. So remember, it does not say, wives, obey everything that your husband says. It says, wives, submit to everything with your husband. But remember, there first needs to be mutual submission here. And we tend to think that submission means admitting that I am inferior to you. That's kind of what, we lump those together. Submission means I'm throwing up the white flag, I'm waving the towel, I'm hanging up my towel, I, I'm just saying, okay, yep, you know what, I'm going to submit. You know, I, I, let me submit to the almighty husband. Let, let me just submit to you because you know everything and you're going to take, that's not what submission means. Submission and inferior are not the same. It is, it is two different things. And we talked about what this doesn't mean. So let's talk about what this does mean. Submission as to the Lord. See, submission is not based on character and it's not based on performance of the individual. It's not. This is an unconditional treatment of the husband based on our love for each other. Based on love for the husband and love for for God. An unconditional treatment. Why is this an unconditional treatment? Because you have made the decision to commit yourself to the other person in marriage. See, when we get to a place where, where, we, where two people decide, I want to marry you, you want to marry me, we're on the same page. Okay, now let's gather together with our friends and family, and now let's, let's profess our love to one another. Let's profess our commitment to one another in front of all these people so that, one, they can hold us accountable. But more than that, we're professing our commitment to one another in front of God who created us. 
So once you make that commitment to the other person, what that says is the good and bad, the thick and thin, or in marriage terms, in sickness or in health, I am committed to you. I am committed to you. So why are wives called to submit to husbands? Because you chose to enter a covenant relationship with your husband that says, I care about you. I love you. I chose you. And because I chose you, that means that I trust you and I submit to you because I care about you. Now, there will be times in every relationship and in every marriage where you may not fully trust what the other person is doing. That happens. We're being real, right? Can we be real in church? Being real. There are times where it's like, I don't know if I trust you to actually do this fully. And it may be because of something that they've done in the past, maybe something in your life, whatever it may be, right? That, I, I get it. it. Those things happen. But by making a marriage covenant, you are saying that you are willing to submit to your husband because you love him and because you love God. You chose this. You chose this. Unconditional treatment. Far too often, this is not across the board, so please don't, please don't get upset with me. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not stereotyping, but um, I've, I've seen many relationships where, where the wife will treat the husband as if they're stupid. Well, they, they just, they, they don't know what to do. I've seen a lot of, a lot of times where, where the wife will demean, will mock, will talk lowly of their husbands like they are incapable of doing anything right. And it isn't okay. It's not okay. Now, don't worry, I'm going to talk about the husbands here in a second, okay? So I don't want you, like I said, I don't want you to get upset with me. But it, there's far too often where a wife will talk about a husband as if they're the dumbest person on earth. And it's sad to see. It's not healthy. It's not beneficial. It isn't, it isn't the right way to treat one another. One thing that always drives me crazy, Matt, you've said this to me too before. You don't know what I'm about to say, but trust me. Um, <laughs> uh, we had a conversation once where whenever, like, uh, my wife, my, my wife is here, great. Um, whenever, like, my wife would go out of town, uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to embarrass you. <laughs> I, I, that, was a ge- that was a genuine, I'm happy that you're here. <laughs> that, that, oh gosh, oh no. Um, no, but uh, that was a genuine, I'm happy that she's here. Um, anyways, if my wife were to go out of town, and uh, sometimes people would say, oh, you're stuck at home with the kids? I bet they're just wearing their pajamas all weekend, eating cereal and a pizza, as if I'm not capable of taking care of my kids as a husband, Matt. I, I, can, I can take care of my kids, right? But it's, it's a normal thing, right? And this is, this is kind of a normal thing that we do with husbands and with dads. Do-do-do-do, here comes the dad. He doesn't know what he's doing, right? Like that's, what we, that's how we can treat our husbands and our dads sometimes. They're just dumb old dads. They're just dumb old husbands. They just don't know anything. They don't think so good. And that's how we treat them. And it's not okay. If we treat a person that way, then what is that going to tell them? What is that going to communicate to them? And I'm not saying that this is a reason for husbands to act that way, but a lot of husbands take that as an excuse to say, okay, you think I'm dumb? Then I'll just be dumb. Like I said, that's not okay either. But it goes both ways here. Submission 
is so very important. Now let's talk about husbands, okay? Actually, Paul says a lot more about husbands than he does about wives. I don't know if you noticed that. But husbands, it says, I'm, we're just going to read just part of it. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. Husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Now I don't know if you noticed this, but Paul's instructions to wives were three verses long. While Paul's instructions to husbands were eight. He talked a lot more to husbands. And this passage was also entirely shocking to the culture at the time. Entirely shocking. Most, most likely, when Paul wrote this letter to, to the church in Ephesus, they would have read the first three verses about the wives and been like, yeah, that makes sense. Now we can move on. They wouldn't have expected Paul to also dive into everything for the husbands. This, is, this would have been entirely shocking to the culture at the time. It would have blown them away. And Paul's language to men shifts from submission to love for women. And he, and he, sh- he, sorry, he shifts it from submission for women to love for men. And this, in doing so, he is, he's not softening his instruction. Rather, he is intensifying his instruction to the men. It's a huge difference here. And remember the context, right? The audience that this was written to. This, this is the ancient Greco-Roman world. Ancient sources do not speak frequently of men treating women with love and respect. That, that's not this culture. Husbands actually had very little responsibility at the time. Very little. The only responsibility that the husbands had in this culture was to provide Food and shelter. That's it. That, that was the culture. The culture was, here's some food, here's a roof over your head, I'm out. I'm not doing anything else. I don't need to take care of you. I don't need to show you that I love you. I don't need to show you that I care about you. Once we have kids, I don't need to take care of them. That's your job if I even want to have them. I, none of that is my responsibility. My only responsibility is food and shelter. Boom. That's it. That's it. So for him to start off in verse 21, submit to one another? That's like, what? No, 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 I, that's not my responsibility. I'm a man. I, I'm, I'm the husband here. I don't need to submit to her. Are you serious? I, that's not my responsibility. And then he goes on to talk more about not just submission, but loving them. Loving my wife. Loving, loving women. That was not part of this culture. This was so out of the box, it, it would have blown people away because women were generally regarded as inferior, less intelligent, less moral, a source of sin for men, continual temptation for men, and often viewed as property. That was how women were viewed in this culture. That was how women were viewed in this world. It wasn't just in Ephesus. It, this was across the globe. This was, this was how people treated, this was how men treated women. They were less than. Less than. So for Paul to write this letter and tell men to submit to their wives and to love their wives like they love themselves, <laughs> this, this is one of the most progressive passages in all of Scripture. I'm telling you. Taking the context and the audience, 
It's one of the most progressive passages that was written in the Bible because we like to take this passage and read it in 2022 and be like, obviously, why, why wouldn't that be the case? We have to realize when and who it was written to. And when we realize that, it's like, oh my goodness, are you serious? This, was, this would have had men walking out of the church. This would have had men leaving saying, Paul's a heretic. He's, he's preaching bad theology. We can't follow him. He's out of his mind. This is not the way that we do things. And it makes me wonder, what are things in our culture today that we have entirely wrong that are just normal? That could be a whole other sermon in and of itself. But we have to understand that this context is entirely different. So for husbands today, you have a responsibility to love your wife in a way that says, I will give up anything for you, just as Christ gave up everything for the church. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. What did Christ do? What did Jesus do? He made himself. A human being came down to this earth, lived on this earth, and died for this earth so that we could live. It's time for guys, it's time for husbands, it's time for men to stand up and own who we are and our love for our spouse. It's time for us to stand up and not back down from our pursuit of loving our wives. See, I'm thankful that in our culture this has been changing more and more, but it's still not entirely there. Guys like to make fun of other guys for loving their wives. What's up with that? I don't get it. It's like, oh, you're taking her on a date? You must be whipped. <laughs> you're taking her on a date? <laughs> Football's on. As if it's an absurd thing to do to love your wife when there's other fun things that you could be doing. It's crazy to me. It's time for us guys to stand up, own the love of our wife, and love that person sacrificially. Love that person in a way that says, you know what, after my relationship with Jesus Christ, you're number one. There's nothing else that I love more than you. There's nothing else that I love that I care about more than I care about you. We don't like to do that. No matter what it costs, love your wife. This passage talks about the husbands being the head of the home. And we tend to think that the leader is above everybody else. Right? That's what we tend to think. Well, that person's the leader. That person's in charge. And actually... If we look at the leadership that Jesus showed, he came to this earth and he wasn't above people. What did, what did Jesus do? We talk about this all the time. If I, if I were Jesus and I were coming back to this earth to save this earth, then I would be coming back and I would be like the king. I, I would be the president. I would rule over everybody because I would need to have the largest, strongest platform that I could possibly have so that I could tell everybody else what to do. But what did Jesus do? He came and was born in a manger with animals, lived as a carpenter, didn't stand up on a platform and, uh, and become king and say, hey, everybody, I'm Jesus, let me tell you what to do. That's not, that's not what Jesus did. Jesus showed us what a true servant leader looks like. 
servant leadership. So yeah, you want to be the head of the household? You're not above anybody. Actually, the best leaders, the best leaders are the ones who are willing to roll up their sleeves and get to work. The best leaders are the ones who are not above any job. The best leaders are the ones who say, yeah, you know what, we're all in this together. I want to work together. See, if we want to be solid leaders, I don't want anybody working more than I do because I want to lay the groundwork for how much work should be put in. And I want to make sure that if I'm leading, I'm putting in my part. True servant leadership. Sometimes we think that being a leader is glamorous. It's, it's cool. It's not glamorous. Maybe in some positions it is. But the best leaders, the best, say, I'm laying myself down. I'm doing whatever I can to make a difference in this world. I'm doing whatever I can to make a difference in this family. And I want other people to know, you know what, you don't, you don't have to answer to me because I'm above you. I'm with you. Do you see the difference? So guys, if you're living like you're above everybody else, get off your high horse. Stop thinking that you're above anybody. Well, Paul says in Ephesians, I'm the head of the household. Okay, great. Get to work. Protect your family. Fight for your family. Fight for your relationship. Fight for your spouse. Love your spouse. Do whatever you can in your ability to take care of what you are put in charge of. Own it. Love it. Protect it at all costs. A real leader is always willing to lead by example. A real leader is willing to lay down his life. A real leader is willing to put his own interests aside for the benefit of others. That's what a real leader is willing to do. If you want to be a real leader, then do it. Because when it comes down to a healthy marriage, it all starts with submission. It all starts there. So I'm going to invite the worship team up as we close. And I, I want you to think about your relationships. If you're married, think about your relationship with your, with your spouse. Think about if you're doing your part. Because it takes two people here. It can't, it, it, even ground, le, level ground means that not only... Do both people have the same amount of authority, but both people also have to put in the same amount of work to make the relationship work. So I want you to think about for yourself, am I doing my part? Am I caring about my wife or am I caring about my husband the way that I should? Am I, am I willing to submit to the other person? Am I willing to love the other person? Am I willing to respect the other person? Am I willing to take all of my garbage and put it to the side and say, for you, because I made this commitment to you, because I chose to be married to you, because I chose to be in a relationship with you, I'm willing to do anything for you. But you got to make that decision. If you're not in that place today, if you're not married today, and you're thinking about in the future what that would look like, this still works for any relationship. Loving one another, caring for one another. But I want you to, to think about the foundation that you're laying today. And as we talked about last week, 
we want to live a life of righteousness. It's not built on a foundation of sin today. So if you want to have a healthy marriage in the future, start loving and respecting other people the way that you would love and respect your significant other. It's not a bad thing. Actually, it makes a huge difference. But if your marriage is hurting today, if you're like, I don't know if we're going to make it. I, I don't know if we're, if we're in a place where we're going to get out of this in one piece. There is hope today. There's hope. It's not like you've done too much damage where anything is, is irreparable. You can talk to couples in this church who could tell you, we thought we were done. We thought that it was over. We, we thought there was no going back. We pursued Jesus. When we pursued Jesus, it changed everything. Jesus at the center, submit, love, respect. Let's stand and let's sing together.